The following episode discusses suicide and suicide prevention with a licensed professional counselor. This episode was slated to be our season opener, but pushed back because of the sensitivity of the subject at hand. If you or someone you know is struggling, information and crisis resources are available at www.wantotalkaboutit.com. Hey, welcome to a brand new episode of the Show Podcast. I am your host, Calvin, joined by my co-host, the beautiful Christina and Brandon. Hey, it is a brand new season, season five. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing good. Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Man, I've missed y'all, man. Um, I missed y'all so much. I think a lot of people miss this. Um, but I mean, this break was much needed. <laughs> no i feel i still I feel like it's i still feel like it's too short like i feel like we didn't take enough time off but hey here we are we have a brand new season we have some brand new guests brand new subjects uh more straight up subjects so we hope that you join the conversation because a lot has been going on uh since we've been we left a lot of you know world news national news and definitely pop culture news and we're gonna have more of that throughout the season we got some great shows lined up and of course, we have some great hosts in Christina, Brandon, and Lee, who is not here today, but we are thinking about Lee and Spirit right now. So Lee, hey man, cheers to you for season five. Let's do the damn thing. All right. So with that being said, uh, what y'all been up to? Brandon, what you been up to, man? I haven't seen you in a while. Well, between the films being shot, uh, between something else that has been happening, still good. Uh, still good with that as well. Um, dude, I've just been busy. You know me, still busy, busy doing business and living. Uh, starting to take classes again. Uh, already yeah. regretting it, but uh, <laughs> it's just a personal thing for me. Uh, going back to school. Uh, just working, taking those classes, considering a relocation. Mm. Where? I'll, 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 I'll why, why are you out. doing that? Like, uh, you, I will why be closer to you, Calvin. <gasps> I'm looking at Dallas. This is. Bullshit. I don't know if I'll be there or not because I don't necessarily want to be in that area. It's a little too busy for me and my my little anxieties on the road. <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking of the Deep Ellum area. I really like being down there. That's a little cluttered. So, but, but you, you just know. said you don't like being cluttered and your that's, anxiety. Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's not being surrounded by people. It's the traffic of having to go on like the highway to interstate through yeah, Dallas. Scare me. Uh, let me paint you. It's terrifying me... driving out there. But you know, when you live in the downtown Deep Ellum area, you get off right before all that starts. It's wonderful. You make this so hard, but no, just to kind of give you education on the D town. Uh, that may be true, but if you want more peace. Uh, you need to come to where I'm at on the outskirts of Dallas. It's still the same kind of Dallas area, but the outskirts is more peaceful. So we'll we'll be in touch about that. But I'm glad that I may have somebody from out my hometown I can come see. Maybe. You. Maybe. I hope so. Brandon, waiting on you. So Yeah, I don't think. I don't know about that. <laughs> Look, it, it, you don't want to touch on that topic. 
know. That I you know. definitely, you definitely gonna lose some listeners then. <laughs> but I'm glad to see that all of you have been doing great things, and uh, glad to have you back. Hey, we're here at season five. This is episode 51 now. Wow, uh, past 50, so we're gonna try to shoot for a hundred more. Keyword: try. Hey, life happens. Uh, speaking of life, it is happening. The goal that I had was to work out. As you can look at right now, it just has not been working out. So it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a progress, guys. So I'm trying, but uh, that was one of the issues I wanted to work on. I kind of failed that. But hey, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I feel like you have to keep fighting. And that's, that's kind of what I've been dealing with. I, I, one of the reasons why we took a break uh, off this, because, I mean, how's y'all's How's y'all's mental doing? Everybody good mentally wise? I mean, how's that? How's that going? This whole COVID nineteen is really been making my mental just not okay. Actually, it was the opposite for me. COVID mm-hmm. gave me a lot of mental rest time. Uh, it, it got hard on me, like everybody else. You know, after a while, you start cracking. But I, I, I rest better. I need that time to kind of recharge after being around people. So all of this was just like exactly what I needed. <laughs> I feel a lot better on this back end of COVID than I did going into it probably in the last couple of years at least. So I'm, I'm feeling a lot more clarity come to me right now than I have over the last couple of years. So which kind of worked out for me. <laughs> exactly because before covid it was the opposite how does that work <laughs> i i needed the rest time i needed that mental time to just where a lot of people can't handle the quiet i needed the quiet i need i just i had a lot of puzzles <laughs> a lot of reading a lot of sitting and just enjoying the rain the snow and the coffee i needed it <laughs> ah yes darkness my old friend um definitely i'm (laughs) too dark um i'm doing great so i mean you know me things it's hard for things to bother me so i'm just living it yeah with with me i mean i'm not i'm not scared to address that i've had some uh issues especially you know uh a lot of y'all know that i had uh i was in a coma for a week a couple years ago had an accident and uh I'm not scared to address that, that, you know, that incident, that near life, that that near death experience really traumatized me. And it still does today. And then to bring it on from, to transition from a different state to COVID, it, it really has not been good at all. And, um, and there's some days that I think that, you know, just have those bad thoughts in my head. And then, and it's, 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 they, you say that it's, it's okay not to be okay. But I mean, it happened and it's still there. And there, there are some ways, that, like I said, working out was one of those ways that I was trying to get rid of it. But Christina, you really helped me out. And you said that you should really detox off social media. So that really, uh, I've done that during this whole off season with us. You know, if you have an iPhone, it tells you how much your social media or how much you've been on your phone. And so uh, just to see those numbers decline has really helped me out a lot. It helped me, Brandon can tell you that I'm just, I'm I'm just go 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 go, and Brandon be the first one to say, "Hey man, chill out, chill out, chill out. You're doing too much. You're doing too much." And so you know that catches up to you, and life does too. And so, uh, sadly, during our time off, um, I lost two friends, and we've been off since August, and so now it's November. 
uh, since we, we've been off, I lost two friends uh, to suicide. And it was, uh, no suicide is better than the other. It's, it's both horrible. Uh, but these two were done in a, uh, a way that most people not only didn't see coming, which uh, some people don't when it comes to suicide, but it was done uh, to where it was, uh, it, it, it was not as uh, quiet, I guess. And uh, both tra traumatizing, uh, not only to me, but I'm pretty sure to the family as well. Uh, and these are people that on the outside looking in, uh, you would think they have the perfect life, nice family, uh, great smile, great personality, and then all of a sudden the next day, uh, the way it happened, uh, suicide happened, it was not uh, uh, expecting. And uh, it got to me a lot. And, and I noticed that since COVID has been going on, a lot of us have been keeping up in the house, being isolated, me, myself, same way, like it's a struggle to go outside and try to be around people and not get sick. And that does uh, mess with your mental. Uh, but it, it's, it's situations like this, that makes me feel like, you know what? Something is not right. And I'm not for sure if it's like the, the COVID-19 or what, but I'm noticing a trend uh, of these suicides going up and people are really, their mental illness is getting more exposed uh, a lot. And it's something that's really been bothering me so much. So uh, we're going to bring an expert in, a psychotherapist, uh, who is a friend to our show uh, and somebody who is not afraid to be straight up with us about uh, these issues. You know, I'm, I'm not scared to say, hey, I have these thoughts and stuff like that. So we're going to talk to our friend, uh, a licensed professional, a mental health professional about uh, this situation going on with the COVID-19 pandemic and how it relates to mental illness. And uh, mental illness, it is hereditary, but it also can be developed, especially with uh, post-traumatic situations that are going on right now in the world. So we have, uh, we want to talk about the suicide awareness and how we can prevent it on the other side of the break. Make sure you stay tuned. It's season five of Show Podcast. Hey, Calvin here, host of the Straight Up Show podcast. And guess what? We're back bigger and better than ever with new guests, new straight up topics, and a new way to support the Straight Up Show podcast. That's right. You can now support our podcast by becoming a Patreon patron. Straight Up has four different tiers that you can choose from, with each tier having their own perks. Your monthly donation helps us produce efficient straight up content that you love so much. For more details, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash straight up show podcast 318. That's patreon.com forward slash straight up show podcast 318. All right, so we're back today. Like I said, uh, it has been an emotional time here uh, since we started this podcast. And if you don't know, uh, we started this podcast around during the pandemic. Uh, so much has happened. Uh, and we just want to talk about the impact of COVID. And uh, if you didn't listen to the first part of the episode, we talked about how we noticed there's been an uprising uh, in suicides. And it's nothing to make fun of or joke about. Uh, we take it very serious. I mean, I know that uh, it's, it's, it's thoughts in your head that you don't want to be here. And uh, some people take action on it. And we want to talk about preventing that we don't want that to happen to people that people know there's an outlet 
out here. So today we're bringing in uh, one of our favorite guests that comes on the show. Uh, you've heard her voice before. She is making some big moves. Uh, she is a psychotherapist, LPC, Dr. Monique Thompson. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. I'm so glad to be here. I enjoy this show. I like it a lot. Y'all are very smart people. I like being around smart people. Uh, thank you so Sometimes. much for, for talking about me and not Christina, but you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Thompson. And uh, before we jump right into it, I know this is a very sensitive subject, uh, but just tell us, you know, since the last time we talked to you, uh, what you've been up to. I know your schedule has been super busy, but you have some exciting news uh, that, that since the last time we spoke to you, you've been basically making, I say, boss moves. Uh, so uh, since we last talked to you, what have you been up to? Well, in the middle of the pandemic, um, in the middle of me doing virtual learning for my eight-year-old, a publisher reached out to me about writing a book. One of my specialties in my practice is couples recovery from affairs, and they wanted to see if I'd be interested in writing the book. Um, I felt like I had no time available because I was in the middle of a campaign to get on the school board here in Little Elm. But my husband and my oldest daughter, Tamia, said, you could do that. You can, you can, you can do that. And I listened to them and did it. So I cranked out the book in the middle of the pandemic. So it was released January this year. And since being released, it's in the top 100 dating categories on Amazon in the last month or so. It hit the top 50. And it's been kind of hanging around in the top 50, 60 um, for the last couple of weeks. Um, it's doing really, really well. It's doing really well. It was definitely um, much easier to write than I thought because I had a lot of, I've been doing this for 20 years. So I had a lot of content. So a lot of it was just, I had a great editor who helped me to pull it all into book form. And so it's been doing really, really well. It's helped my practice to kind of um, settle down a little bit. I'm kind of old. I'm hundred percent telemedicine now. So I, I, it helped me settle down a little bit because I needed this resource for couples like the whole time. So now I can do much easier work. When you have, I mean, I'm sure, hopefully this has never happened to you guys, but when people experience someone cheating on them, it's a very, very disruptive and intrusive event and you really need some resources. So now I have one and it's made my work easier. So there's that. And then of course I won the election. I was seated. The first black woman on the um, school board here in Little M. I won 11 out of 14 precincts, Act, you know, did great. Um, and I have other stuff. What else have I been doing? <laughs> Just others. I'm on a couple of boards, doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you I, got Tamia off to college. So. I got my daughter off to Howard. Yes, I got my daughter off to Howard. Are you adopting, please? Am I adopting? <laughs> um, no, you know, that's amazing. We started a real mentor program here in Little M. Um, this summer, my Zero Debt College Project, a lot of people know about because my daughter was offered $10.5 million in merit scholarships. And so mm -hmm. we have a good formula, but every year we just have a tiny number of guys who enroll. They flourish in the program, but they don't really enroll. So this summer, um, I reached out to some moms in the community to see if I could partner with a mentoring organization, and there were none. So I finally got with some colleagues and said, what do can we do? And we decided to just have them create a mentoring program. So our mayor, we just elected our first black mayor here in Little Elm and he's joined in um, partnership with my organization. Um, we've got city council members helping us, business leaders in the community. Um, Sweetwater's um, Coffee and Tea just adopted us and we'll be sponsoring a lot of our programs. 
And they, I mean, it's just been wonderful. So we grew from zero kids because we didn't have a program September um, 16th, from August 24th to September 16th, it hit hundred kids. And as of Friday, we had 134 um, male students in grades five through 12 for our mentoring program, yes. Yeah, so that's the latest. That's actually the latest. The latest is that we now have a mentoring program for guys to help them learn how to write scholarship essays because there's no way around that. And it keeps people from wanting to apply for a scholarship and to teach them all the tricks I know about how to get scholarships in the first place. Plus, you really need at that age to kind of identify career pathways, plural. And I'll, if any of your listeners, I'm going to tell you, if you're not sure what you want to do, what, you're not sure what you want to be, find at least five people who are for a living doing what you think you want to do. And you ask them, well, what college did you go to? What college do you wish you'd gone to? What do you wish you'd known at the age I am now that you, you know, that you know now? And what kinds of things do you think I need to be doing? Who else should I talk to? And how do I get funding to go to school for free? How do I make a good living doing what you do? And you'll have to contact a lot of people to get to five, but I'm a qualitative researcher. And I can assure you, after you talk to at least five, you're going to have a rich blueprint to do what you want to do. But you really need to talk to people who are actually not trying to get there. <laughs> they don't have their suitcases anymore. They're walking the path. They have unpacked. They have a nice living arrangement. And they're doing well for themselves, doing what you think you want to do. Because sometimes after you talk to them, you're going to say, oh, I'm good. I'm <laughs> I don't want to, because you're going to hear five different people telling you there's no way for you to get around doing something that you don't want to do. Then you're going to say, well, maybe, maybe that isn't for me. And you'll talk to somebody else, five more people doing something else you think you want to do. And at the end of the day, you'll have a blueprint. And I, I'm glad that, first off, I'm glad that you're doing so much in the community. And I, I definitely want to partner up with you uh, to make sure that our kids get to go a chance to go to college, because uh, what you just said is stuff that I wish I would have done uh, in college and I didn't have that guidance. So uh, blessings to you and your community and your, your group of people that are doing that because I need that right now. And actually I did that uh, in college. I called random news stations in my my demo tape out, work on this, work on that. So I mean, like that does work and it kind of uh, bridges the gap. But uh, just even what you just said as a college student, that brings on uh, our subject for today, uh, anxiety uh, yeah. and and that's a lot of anxiety that we have, especially as college students, but even right now in my thirties and I'm like, you know, even though I'm still working in the field, I, I, I still want to do more and I'm kind of confused on what I want to do. So, I mean, like this past pandemic, I mean, uh, reports say that CDC uh, said that uh, since the pandemic, over 40% of adults uh, in, in uh, well, Americans have suffered with anxiety, depression, trauma, and end up taking substance abuse uh, since the pandemic. Uh, of course, all that can lead to suicide. Uh, me personally, I know some people that uh, that have passed away uh, due to suicide uh, since the pandemic. Actually, three I've known that's died since the pandemic due to suicide. Uh, and it's it's one of those situations to where uh, and 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 two of them I talked to before they did it, and they seem fine. Uh, and the other one I hadn't seen in a while, but it was like from looking at their set, their social media pages and stuff like that, you would think that they are okay. 
uh, they're happy and stuff like that. And I, I, I'm very against social media because uh, I don't think it portrays reality in, in some in some ways. Uh, but this the one I knew personally, my friend, great family, great career on, on the on the bridge of doing great things, and just the next day gone. Um, I just want to jump into the right question right quick. Have you, because I know when we first talked to you, you were getting, you were booked for a while. Uh, have you seen this uptick of suicides in your profession since uh, the COVID-19 pandemic? So there actually globally hasn't been an actual uptick in suicides there's been an increase in help seeking behavior for mental health, but we don't see the same increase in help seeking behavior for substance abuse. And one of the challenges during COVID is um, as far as evidence-based practice goes, substance abuse disorders tend to require for stabilization, often an inpatient level of care and then a stepping down into the community. So of the two, the one that you can access help for more readily would have been mental health. And the one that you before COVID could access just as readily would have been substance abuse. But during COVID of the two, the one more difficult to access treatment for would have been substance abuse. Like you mentioned, um, anxiety and substance abuse disorders actually play off of each other. They're not really, it's almost a chick, which comes first, you know, the chicken or the egg. One plus one doesn't really equal two, it's a circle. So as someone experiences increased anxiety, they increase their use, which increases anxiety, which increases use, which, I mean, just kind of keeps going. Um, the intervention is what I would want to focus on today. Like, what do you do? In 20 years, I've not lost anybody. I have plenty of people who are at risk and there are ways that I found over the last 20 years that are more effective than others. And what I teach my interns to do, um, and by my interns, I mean both my actual LPC interns, people who are getting licensed in professional counseling to practice on their own. I mean, they have their graduate degree and they now have a temporary license requiring supervision. And I, in my 19th year with SMU, Perkins School of Theology, where I work with their interns in their last year of seminary. So when I say interns, I'm meaning both um, those who have a faith-based approach and those who are strictly a clinical approach. I teach them both the same thing, which is your first question for someone that you even think might be suicidal at any level of risk is, can you promise me that you will never, ever, ever do this? Not for any particular reason, not because you don't want to go to hell, not because you don't think you don't want your mother to cry, not because you don't want somebody to find you, not for any reason, just that you're just never going to do it. If that person says, I don't know if I can promise you that, then they just told you their answer, which is they, they actually need a goal for help, like right now, not later, right now. If they say, okay, I, I can promise that. Well, now they can engage in supportive care, counseling, and continue down the road. But you need that initial commitment, that initial commitment. If you cannot get it, you have your answer about risk right there. So when I work with people who are experiencing suicidal ideation 
for suicidal pressure, meaning they maybe don't even want to attempt suicide, but they have pressure to do so because it can be an intrusive pressure thought. Then I asked them, do you feel like you can choose not to do this ever? Not for any reason, not for a religious reason, not for, for no reason. You're just never going to do it. If they can say, yeah, I can promise that, then we can continue working together. If not, then they have to go for an increased level of care because your brain is an organ and it has certain functions that help you to engage in emotional control. And when those particular structures in the brain are damaged or impaired, then it's not really that the person is making a conscious choice to do something. What's more accurate is that they do not have the facility to engage in emotional control so that they don't do those things. And those are typically fixable. The only extreme where I would say is possibly not fixable is if you have like the devil's mix, you have a serious mental illness plus substance abuse, plus any kind of environmental significant stress, that's the devil's mix. And so I'll give you an easy example. You're homeless, you have paranoid schizophrenia and you have a substance abuse dependence. That's the devil's mix. That means your chance is very likely that you're not gonna make it. Or you are in a situation which COVID created where you are so socially isolated that you now have an environmental stress that you've never had before and it's severe because it's unrelenting. Like we, you're, tomorrow is gonna be the same. You can't go do things to next. It's gonna, it's gonna always be the same, right? And you have any kind of substance abuse dependence and I don't mean abuse, I mean dependence, meaning your brain engages in substance seeking without your permission. You're telling yourself, I'm not going to, and your brain is like, we are in about five minutes. You're <laughs> telling yourself, I'm not going to do it, and your brain is like, yeah, we are. So you're actually internally struggling, where you, on the one hand, don't want to do it, and on the other hand, the urge is so severe that you cannot engage in emotional control. So that's happening and you add to it a mental health issue, a, severious, a severe mental illness, like major depression, not just the blues, not just some stress, not just I need a me day, but actual major depression, which means that the serotonin levels in your brain are not where they need to be. The hippocampus is not functioning like it needs to be. The cord between your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala is all clad. All the structures in your brain are impaired and your brain cells are not reproducing as they need to. So your brain as an organ is really the culprit that happened during COVID. All the things your brain needs to stay healthy and to help you to make good decisions. When you see where someone may have attempted that, I tend to bend toward either one of two things happen. They could not commit to never ever doing it. That's one. And the other is that they may have required medical assistance to carry out that commitment and did not have access to it. So those are the two things. But in COVID, I'm going to tell you something beautiful that happened. In my field, there was a boom of access to telemedicine because we were all forced into it. So I was 80% telemedicine right before COVID. I'm now 100% telemedicine. I'm grateful because, because I was already using the tech for telemedicine. I didn't have to get onboarded anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. I had my phone full of colleagues, psychiatrists and counselors and social workers and LCD, I mean, everybody asking what platform I was using and are they still taking people because some of the platforms stopped even letting providers on board. It was just a flood right there at the beginning of COVID. Well, since that time, Doctor On Demand is now avail available. All these commercials you see about how to get to 
you can use your insurance now to access telemedicine from your phone and immediately get help. That was something that also happened during COVID. So technically there wasn't an increase in suicide for your general population. Some of the segments of our population where there was already a risk that was tender before COVID, that group had a little bit of an increase. Of, and, we, and you can never tell, you can never tell. Like looking at somebody's life on the outside doesn't tell you a thing about what their brain looks like on the inside. So you can never tell. And even for me, I have to kind of poke about a little bit to figure out if somebody's at risk. And I've been doing it for a long time. So I also know when to out and outright ask. So I'm going to tell you these three things that you can do if you think somebody might be at risk. Number one, ask. Straight, straight out ask. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking you don't want to be here anymore? Are you just wishing you weren't here? Are, you know, get them to tell, confess up and tell you. If they tell you, I don't even want to talk about it, that's your answer. Because somebody who's not says, what you asking me that for? I'm fine. What, is something wrong with you? <laughs> so you already have your answer. You know, if somebody's reluctant to talk about it, you have your answer. All right. So it's the first thing. And if they're not clearly, I, nothing's wrong with me, you know, then your next one is, okay, can you promise me under no circumstance ever, are you going to do anything to hurt yourself? Not even a little bit. You're not going to do something, put yourself in harm's way. You're not going to nothing. You're going to do nothing. And they tell you, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know what I can promise. Okay. Well, who can we call? That's your next step. Is who, you're not going to try to handle it on your own. Who can we call? They don't want you to call anybody. You start thinking on your own. Who can I call? In your worst case scenario, I know nobody wants to do this, is to call the non-emergency line. You don't have to actually call 911. You can call the non-emergency line to the nearest law enforcement place to you and let them know what's going on. You can tell them, listen, I'm at my friend's house. I'm concerned about their wellness. They, are, they don't have any weapons here but I need someone to come and do a wellness check because I don't feel like this person is safe right now. I don't need it. I don't need the police. I need someone to come and help me do a wellness check. So you want to use that language that you're concerned about their mental health. You think they may need to go to the hospital. You don't think they're going to go voluntarily and you need a wellness check. So you want to call a non-emergency line, not 911. Call the non-emergency line, which thank you, Google. You can pick your phone up and find the nearest phone number and call the non-emergency line. If you can't figure that out, because maybe you're emotionally nervous right then, you can call 911, but you need to be clear when you call 911 that this is not an emergency of that level. You say, I'm trying to call the non-emergency line, but I don't know that number. I'm here with my friend. They are not well. I, would, I need first responders to come because I think they need to go to the hospital. They're thinking about hurting themselves but you want to use that kind of language. I think they need to go to the hospital. I don't think that they're safe here by themselves. I'm sitting here with them and I'm going to stay here until somebody comes. And then my next thing, just from me to your listening audience is also call somebody for you. Text somebody and say, listen, I'm going through right now. Just be thinking of me. Can you come over, you know, call somebody for you. Try not to long range or long wolf this on your own. But now let's back it up because you got those three things. They are not okay. They won't commit with you. You have to call. You have to call somebody. I cannot emphasize that last. Don't call their mama. Don't call their girlfriend. Don't call your other best friend. You call them people to come there for you. But who you're calling for them is 
the the um, first responders. So you can call an ambulance or something like that, but you really want to call someone to come and help them get to a hospital. Okay. But let's say that they seem like they're fine and you just picked up the wrong signals. The best thing you can do is keep the communication going. You keep this an open door because maybe you were wrong. Maybe you weren't wrong. You don't want to leave that conversation sitting on the table because they said, I'm fine. You want to kind of come back into it and trust your instincts. Trust your instincts. Don't leave that conversation sitting there. And I can tell you from personal experience, professional experience, people will thank you later. It's okay. Go ahead and do it. People will thank you later. So either way it goes, you address it. You do not ignore it. And you always also reach out to somebody to be there for you be there for you okay wow that's that's powerful uh that's it's very that's very moving uh christina and brady y'all have any questions for one i'm very glad she touched on the main thing i see that's a huge uh huge uh, misunderstanding and that is the brain i know a lot of people that deal with you know the things she, she's talking about and i have to explain to some people when a person's actions and what and their words just aren't matching, but you feel that I, I don't think this person was lying, but the actions are different, that's a sign right there. And you just have to show that you are understanding, you want to be like everything she says, she really broke it down very well. But just being able to see that and not I guess, bring any more negativity to where it's like, oh, this, this guy, is, he's a liar. He's not a liar. He doesn't, he or she just doesn't really understand or is, can't control it. And I think that just doesn't help, which if you talk, um, bring in the parents, bring in the girlfriend, uh, whoever, that will lead to, oh, he just sees things, hears things, whatever. And that just pushes uh, that person even further. She explained it very well, and I love it. Phenomenally, <laughs> um, because you know, uh, you you mentioned Calvin, your friend, who you say he was fine. He was, you, you know, he was doing everything well, and things were going good. It it's rarely that that impacts anything in a person's life that's going through it. Uh, more than likely, it's something that's been there with them for a very long time. Um, they don't have much control over it. They'll follow all the lanes they're supposed to, but when it's in there, when that sickness is there, they, you can't fight it. Um, over the years, I have known people who either have or have fought against it. There's been people who I followed for a very long time in my life that we've lost to it. And I've picked up a lot of different signals that you can find from that person because a lot of people will say, I'm fine. Or you will see some signs here and there of them distancing themselves or you know the normal telltale signs but there are some people who don't have them at all but they will give you signals and cries for help um, one person in particular who we did lose got a tattoo a year before he died and we didn't know what it was but he was telling everybody about this tattoo he got and he was super excited about it and he showed everybody and it was a black dog um, and it had German writing on it and he had it on his side and he showed everybody. And I felt horrible afterwards when I finally 
looked up what that meant. And it was a depression symbol and a cry for help. It, it's a known one, apparently. And I, of course, I didn't know that. But um, you have to start being very mindful of the people around you, especially if it's someone who you think might be going through something and pay attention to everything they tell you. It's more than listening to them if they're saying my, my girlfriend's upsetting me or I lost my job or this or that because sometimes there's a lot of uh, hyperactivity. I don't know if that's the right term for it <laughs> that they go through. They go through highs and lows. Some people expect the weight loss, but then there's also weight gain. You expect them to be depressed and then some people are going so wild outside of their box because they're looking for something to excite them uh, you know, there's just all kinds of different things. So if there's someone who you think might be depressed, pay attention to them. And if there's a person that you've known for years who is suddenly doing things very much so out of character, even positively, pay attention just as hard uh, because there is no face for it. There's no direct way of knowing if that person's doing good or bad or anything. And please follow all the lines of information that uh, Dr. Thompson's given, because those are all very important, but you have to also kind of follow your own intuition a little bit. Like she said, they will thank you. Some people will be offended <laughs> if you're like, hey, I think you need a little help or do you want to talk to me or anybody else? Or if you call for the wellness check and they're like, what did you do that for? They're angry, but they might've also really needed it. Um, so they will thank you. And even if they don't thank you right away and nothing's wrong with them, they will say, thank you for even caring enough yeah. because you could have saved my life. And now they know how to help someone else in the future too. So it's going to get awkward. It's going to get scary, but do it because it matters. And it helps that person gain a little strength knowing that there is someone who's not going to just say, everybody's job is hard. Uh, you know, everybody goes through this. You'll be all right. Shake it off, walk it off. It's not everybody can because you can't fight this. This this is who you are. You literally can't beat it on your own. You know, your body is just your body, but your brain controls everything. Yeah, and, and it can turn on you really quickly. So so be be good to it. Be good to yourself. Be good to other people because you just you just never know. So that's okay. You have great instincts, Christina. Obviously, um, so I just want to acknowledge that some people just have intuitiveness and some need like a course, like take a class, right? So I just put a couple of resources there in the chat. One is just for anyone who just wants to know basic mental health first aid. You can take the courses and you at least have that basic mental health first aid. And then the other NAMI um, has courses that are specifically for families who find themselves in caregiver roles, especially for adults who have SMI, which is serious mental illness. It's a lifelong caregiving role and they have plenty of free educational courses on mental health first aid. So there's a couple of resources, credible, two credible resources there. Um, and then I will caution this, learning mental health first aid, always from a credible resource. Um, skip, the, I'm gonna, uh, skip the places that are um, just kind of making a business out of it. Um, your, your, your training in that should be by credible professionals who are doing it for the purpose of there being more helpers out there, um, not necessarily for making it a industry, if you will. Um, so I just wanna encourage you that there are some credible resources out there. The one that I sent, the first one is from the National Council for Mental Wellbeing. They have um, classes. When you finish, you'll kind of know what you need to do. And they have one for adults 
um, one for youth. It is the one for youth is meant for adults who want to help you. Okay. Um, and then the, uh, the ones from NAMI are for family members who are wanting to be there for their family, family members of those who have a serious mental illness, learning how to one, understand the illness and also understand how to be there for them in a meaningful way. Thank you so much for those uh, phenomenal resources that we need and I need myself. Uh, we're going to have a little bit more Dr. Thompson on the other side of the break. We're going to bring this home because, uh, you know, this is really insightful and I think that everybody needs to hear this. So if you have a loved one out there listening, uh, please stay tuned. Share this episode with them uh, because we need to start the healing right now. And uh, tomorrow, as they say in church, tomorrow may be too late. So we want to put plan in action right now uh, and show people that they do care and they do matter. Stay tuned. Straight up, we know that all lives matter, but historical events have shown that there is an inverse power dynamic between the races in our country. To highlight this, we present our Black Lives Matter merchandise. Because let's be real, some of you don't seem to understand that this isn't the organization, but a message. That message, end inequality towards minorities in America. And just in case that's too complicated for you in English, we have the phrase translated into 10 different languages. Visit StraightUpShowPodcast.com for this and all our other merch. That's S-T-R, the number 8, ShowPodcast.com. Shirts as low as nineteen ninety nine. What is the return on generous leadership and a generous culture? I'm Shannon Cassidy, and on the ROG Return on Generosity podcast, I speak with innovative leaders who share real-life examples of the dividends of investing in others. Subscribe where you get your podcasts, or go to bridgebetween.com, or search R period, O period, G period, Return on Generosity on your favorite podcast platform. Stay generous, everyone. Okay, so we're back and we're talking about suicide awareness and prevention today, uh, the impact it's had on COVID. Uh, as Dr. We're, we're joined by a psychotherapist, uh, Dr. Moni Thompson, LPC, uh, LPCS. Uh, thank you so much once again for coming on our show. If you've been missing out, she has been dropping uh, so much information about uh, getting treatment and what you can do to prevent uh, those who will have suicidal thoughts and uh, ways that you can help them prevent it. So Dr. Thompson, like I said, once again, thank you for joining us today. Um, there's a lot going on with this COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, for the most part, I think we're out the woods. We're getting there, I, I think. Uh, we, right, right now it's November. Uh, so we have to go through December, January, and then the winter months to see how people act. But for the most part, we have it handled right now. Uh, okay. As you stated before, yeah, right. <laughs> But as you stated before, uh, you know, this pandemic has really caused people to deal with certain uh, mental issues and uh, depression and stuff like that. So uh, once COVID is said and gone, which I, I hope maybe spring 2022, uh, how can people, do you, well, first off, do you think we can mentally recover uh, from the pandemic of COVID-19? Yes. 100%. Yes. Um, and I will tell you that in a way, the pandemic happened to the world at a time when it was most likely to recover from it. 
Um, back when the Gulf Wars happened, the Department of Defense spent billions of dollars on trying to research how better to help veterans recover from PTSD. So we had a lot of tech and a lot of science and a lot of scholarly people all zeroed in on this one particular disorder. The uniqueness about this particular mental health disorder is that it can happen to anybody. Even if you have no history of mental illness, you can experience symptoms or diagnosis of PTSD. Because of all of those resources, now if anybody has any trauma symptoms at all, you can download the PTSD coach for free. It's a VA developed, the Department of Defense developed app. It is excellent. And so even if you don't have PTSD, it is a self-help tool that helps you to decrease your risk of developing full-blown PTSD and help you to self-manage your symptoms, decreasing your risk of suicide or homicide or any um, self-harming behavior. So that's out there. Meanwhile, around that same time, the then director of the National Institute of Mental Health, they called it the year of the brain. He was focused on the brain and doing all the research he could on the brain as an organ. Right around that same time, what did we get? Al Gore's internet. So all of these things happened at the same time, which brought the whole research community in together. If you've ever seen the movie Lorenzo's Oil, at one point, the mother says, well, if they know this part and they know this part, and they, why don't we just get all the people together in one room and we can maybe figure this out? Well, the internet basically did that for scholars like myself, for scientists, and put us all in one room. So we're now able to communicate instantly, right? And then I'm sure if you've been in anybody's car wreck in the last 10 years, you've had an MRI. Okay, well, guess who else uses MRIs? Brain scientists. We use that to understand the human brain what works, what doesn't work. So really, of all the times in the course of human history that the world could be hit by a pandemic that we are well suited to recover from, it was actually right now when we could communicate in an instant with each other, learn from each other quickly. The tech is there for us to get data quickly. And it's an unfortunate, but very rich human sample on every level. The pandemic didn't just hit one segment of the population. It hit the world. And so you have the world scientists all rooting for the same team. I didn't want their community to get better, your community to get better. And you know what all humans have in common? The same organs. So all of them studying the brain and all of us studying the brain is actually a very unique opportunity for everybody to benefit from the results of each other's studies. There is a forum called ResearchGate. I'm in there all the time. You can look at people's white papers that they are developing. You can communicate with them. Occasionally, like if I'm reading someone's research and it's about my population and I see that they're in another country, I'll reach out to that researcher and say, well, I'm curious about this part of your study. Do you think it will apply to my American population? And occasionally it does and occasionally it does not. And so that helps me to communicate just like you do on Facebook or Twitter. We can we interact with each other like that, too. So just like once upon a time, you had to stand in line for hours to even meet your favorite star. And now you can tweet them. <laughs> they might even tweet you back. It's the same community for us. So that's why I say, you know, I think we'll be okay. And it's actually because all of the people who would think about this and try to figure it out can communicate with each other as smoothly and as fluidly as people do on social media with people that with strangers. We're able to communicate with each other too. We used to have to wait on conferences, travel to get there. You know, all of this sluggish movement of science and knowledge. There's no black hole of knowledge anymore. We communicate with each other fluidly, and that's what you want. Something this big hits, you want your whole team of smart people all together in one room, 
all working at the same time, trying to figure it out. Well, guess what? This is exactly what we have. Now, uh, and I'm going to piggyback off that right quick. And uh, a couple more questions, Dr. Morning Thompson, uh, who is joining us today, a uh, psychotherapist. Uh, and I think you and I had this conversation before uh, one of our previous episodes, but uh, do you think that, I, I like, and uh, Christine and I was just arguing about this, or not arguing, but uh, disputing about this, but do you think that the toxicity of social media I contributes to a lot of uh, mental illness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just not my opinion. I mean, there are studies that support it, especially for teenage girls, um, that, is, that it increases their um, issues of self-esteem, self-confidence. Um, but it actually relates to a way that the human personality is developed is largely from environmental influence. And so our now environmental influence is so... Um, I know we just said Deja, but it's it's pretend. <laughs> so there's not if you go outside now and play with your friends, that's better socialization and shaping of the personality than if you're interacting with those people over social media. So you can develop a strong and healthy self-concept no matter what. So I want to be a champion of the cause of our human resilience. You can at the same time. Social media presents a very unique and worthy foe when it comes to the development of your human ego, your human ego strength. And so people who are younger are more vulnerable because their ego strength is developing, their personality is developing, their sense of self is developing. People who are older are less vulnerable because it's set, your ego is set. I mean, it would take a lot to knock that building down, right? Um, but it is a pretty significant, it's a worthy foe. It can be used in such a meaningful and helpful way. Um, there are online communities where people can find support and where they can grow in ways that they never have been able to before, but it's sort of like a double-edged sword. It can also do a lot, I mean, a lot, a lot of damage, a lot of damage. So yeah, it can, it's both. And if you're a parent, I'm a parent, you really want to supervise that experience. And what I chose to do as a parent was to um, I'm still smarter than my eight-year-old. So my way of outsmarting her is to just encourage a lot of outside playtime. If she's outside playing with her friends, then how much social media exposure could you possibly have? And I just made it fun for them to stay outside till it gets dark. So they just think it's the best that they can stay outside till it gets dark. And they do every single day. They play outside until it's dark. So well, when her, that street light come on, that street light, you better be in the house. Yeah, well, yeah, but she's looking. So I happen to sit in the cul-de-sac and to my left and right in front of me, I can see all of it outside and they're nowhere. They're right there <laughs> playing right there. So I encourage her to play outside when she comes home from school and it kind of naturally decreases the amount of time you could possibly. And I encourage parents to kind of stay clever um, and stay gentle about it. Don't be, don't create a reward punishment of time on social media where it seems like it's a treat to be on social media because now you're just increasing the interest. Just kind of naturally curb it, keeping your kid involved in positive things that don't involve, that don't, if they're playing sports, you can't play football and be on at the same time. One of you, right. And you can't play volleyball and do it at the same time. You, you know, so keeping them involved in activities that naturally 
replace social media is what I recommend as a parent, as a school board member, an advocate for kids. If you can keep them doing things that kind of, you're not taking the phone from them, but the phone is just kind of naturally not going to work for the activity they're doing. That's the more, um, I mean, I, I think that's the more positive and healthy approach. You do want to be thoughtful about it though, for especially um, the developing brain. Your brain is still developing into your 20s. So you have to think about that. Right. And and I worry about you, somebody who is part of uh, an education system right now, especially with all these school shootings. You, you know, we just had one here in, in our area, uh, you and I, Dr. Thompson, and uh, you just think about like just the bullying, cyberbullying, and, you know, you know, like on Friday, you're so quick to pick up a gun, you know, like, and it's just, you know, it's not worth it. You know, just get on social media and interact with each other. And uh, I mean, I, that's why I am, I, I think I'm blessed to be have growing up in the 90s because we went from like no internet to internet to all this other stuff. And then now you got these TikTok challenges telling people to do stuff and oh. like slap a teacher. I'm like, nah, we're not going to do that. And my yeah. family is full of teachers and no one found the humor in that. And I don't understand people who would, but that's, that's where my opinion about social media and things comes from. I understand when you're a more mentally vulnerable type, it, it can be absolutely tragic to your development. Uh, but it's, it's there, but you don't have to, you know, buy into it all the time. You know, I, the people who, uh, I'm talking about older generation, not necessarily the children, because it's going to hit them either way. But, you know, a woman in her 30s, I'm 30. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand the investment in social media as much as so many people have in it. You know, you, it's so much that you start to form yourself around it. You know, when when Instagram and everything went down the other day, people I know were just like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, open a book, <laughs> do a puzzle, go outside, walk, talk to somebody on the phone. You you don't know anything else to do, you know, but that, that's where their excitement comes from. I was like, there's so many things you could do. I understand if you really want it bad, but they sound it helpless and hopeless without it. And I was just like, what is wrong with you? Freak. Go buy something. I don't know. Uh, but that's why I, I feel like it's a matter of what you're putting in front of your yourself with social media. You you don't need if you oh everybody on social media is just all the beautiful people. Well don't follow them. <laughs> follow regular looking people. Go follow someone who talks about good books to read. Go follow people who cook. Go follow comedians. That was something. I was like, it doesn't have to be the the supermodels. It doesn't have to be those people. It's fine to see it and 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 love it and experience life through people who are doing. But if if those are things you know that you you can tell are making you feel bad about yourself, unfollow it. You will find something else that makes you feel good. You know, you don't, don't watch the fighting videos. Don't watch the pit bull fights and, and the kids fighting in school hallways. Like, what? don't look at it. Swipe. Keep going. It's like, well, it's in my face. You don't have to watch it just because it's there. Go to the so, next thing. Because I, <laughs> I think as a society, when I saw the crate challenge, I just... I the, didn't watch a single one of those videos. The crate challenge was just... The Everybody's end. like, watch this. No. Why? Because it's not doing anything for me. This is embarrassing. Yeah, but before <laughs> we go, stop watching this. Let's uh, let's go ahead and give Miss Money Thompson the uh, the floor, Doctor Money Thompson the floor. Um, so thank you first off for coming on our show. Uh, if you could leave us uh with this, 
someone who is just thinking, I'm not worthy. I just want to end it all. Uh, because, I mean, whether you want to believe it or not, we all been there. Like, just no one cares about me. I have my parents. I have my family. But I don't feel loved. I just think I'd be better not being here. And there that moment, as a professional, what is your message to them? Well, everything that that person just said, I need to acknowledge and accept as their truth, except I need them to correct it just a tiny bit. So they say, I don't feel loved. I don't feel valued. I don't feel like anybody cares about me. The only thing I ask people to add to that sentence is the two words, right now. I don't feel right now like anybody loves me. I don't feel right now valuable. I don't feel right now worthy. Just add the words right now into that sentence so that it is the most authentic statement it could possibly be. And to add the coexisting but conflicting truth. I might not feel this way later. It is a coexisting conflicting truth, but they live together. They live together. And to tr truthfully tell me right now, are you willing to 100% promise that you simply won't do anything to hurt yourself? You won't try. You won't do anything that you're going to promise me that and acknowledge that this is how you feel right now. And we don't know that you'll feel that way later. Either way it goes, can you promise me you won't do anything? If you can't make that promise, then I need to take some action steps. If I'm not a professional, my next step is to get someone in a professional in to help. And by professional in this sense, I mean an ambulance to help get this person to the hospital. And I genuinely mean the hospital because I do not want you to think that calling someone to schedule an outpatient, private therapy appointment in that setting is going to be sufficient. Um, I have a long waiting list. Lots of good therapists have long waiting lists. And it does make sense to wait to see the therapist that you want to see. But you can tell that we're not in a way to see moment when somebody's using that kind of narrative right there. So you want to get them immediate help, which is going to be at the hospital level. And I want to quickly explain what happens when people get to the hospital. You are assessed for admission to the hospital. I, I know it makes it kind of maybe insensitive to say, but there are not any hospitals that are trying to keep you that cannot afford you. So please know that when you get to the hospital, they're going to make sure that you qualify for admission before you're admitted. You might be admitted for what a 23 hour hold, but the intention there is that you are kept safe for a short period of time. So even if the person goes to a hospital, it doesn't mean they're gonna be kept and it doesn't mean they're gonna be kept indefinitely. And in today's world, court orders are needed for that kind of thing. So you're doing something versus nothing. But again, as we mentioned before, calling people's mothers, fathers, girlfriends, boyfriends, spouses, that's not an emergency first responder. And that actually does not give them the level of help that they need in that situation. But as a professional, the two words I ask people to add to it is right now. Dr. Moni Thompson, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. You have done great. And I'd like to extend the invitation for you to come back. Uh, on, and we have to talk more about you because now you're an educator and we have some things going on right now that we need to talk about that maybe you can give some insight. So uh, we invite you once again to come on the show. But before you do, before you leave today, uh, can you please tell us, uh, one, how to order your brand, uh, order your brand new book, 
and uh, how people can reach you on social media. So I'm going to, I like seven cups. Like a lot of people prefer the seven cups. I'm on seven cups and I really enjoy seven cups. Um, they reached out to me and I ignored them for a long time. <laughs> um, and this is the truth. And then I'm old. Y'all know I'm old. I'm like, what is seven cups? So then my daughter to me was like, they reached. I'm like, yeah, what is that? And she's like, that. I like that you can you can be a listener. I'm like, no, they didn't want me to be a listener. They wanted me to be a therapist on there. And she said, I didn't know they had that. I'm like, I don't know anything about it. So I ignored them for a couple more months. <laughs> and then they reached out again. And I finally said, well, let me at least read, like entertain these people. And I like it. I really like Seven Cups. So I have lots of people on Seven Cups now. And I did put my link there. My book um, is for people who are recovering from infidelity. Um, it is for both, for just for the person who cheated and for the person who was betrayed. Um, and actually the most recent review on there I, is my favorite. There's a picture of a man sitting at a table doing the workbook. He and his wife apparently were doing the workbook together after she found out that he had an indiscretion. And the picture is on Amazon of him sitting down at the table working on his workbook. Um, so there's the, the book is there, it's been doing really well. And so you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere. Um, the books are sold and I do appreciate the support. But yeah, I like seven cups. You could you can come and see me, but the wait time right now for my first available appointments is well into December. So I recommend seven cups. And of course, we'll have all the lists in the ticker below. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you, Dr. Thompson, once again for coming on the show. Thank you. Y'all take care. Bye-bye. Straight Bye. up means to be able to speak in a way that is straight up, to be honest and to speak your truth. Raw, uncut, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's blunt, you know, straight to the point. This is what it is. It's just a place to be open and honest. And that's what I appreciate most about it. And it provides a place for community members to come together and just be straight up with each other about things that are going on in the world because it affects all of us. Uh, unfiltered, raw, with all the cursing that Calvin does. Straight up is just being real, telling it, telling it like it is, you know, um, being you. Being solid, being who you are, no matter what it is, no matter what situation you're faced with, right? This is who you are. It really, it really speaks to me of saying it is what it is and it ain't what it ain't, straight up. I'm Sultan Salahuddin from Southside 62 out right now. Make sure you tune in to the Straight Up Show podcast because that's where it's happening. You dig? Wow. Uh, once again, thank you, Dr. Morning Thompson, LPC, LPCS. Uh, did a great job. Uh, really didn't have to say much to her. She really came with the fire as usual. And uh, it's a lot to deal with, Christina. It's a lot to deal with in the society, especially with social media. And, you know, I'm a fat, I'm a, well, I'm a big guy. You know, I'm a big guy uh, and being a big guy, it's kind of hard to love yourself and not have like and feel that you need validation from people because you see people skinny and stuff like this. So uh, you start thinking these negative thoughts and stuff like that. But Dr. Marlene Thompson kind of gave us some coping methods and stuff like that to deal with this. And uh, what do you think? How do you feel about what she just said? What don't I feel about what she said? Uh, I I love that she, she just kind of like... Uh, bullet train through everything and made sure to cover everything from top to bottom to let people know you know it's it's mental um but it's mental in a way that you can't shake off by yourself 
uh, because it's it's your chemical mental issue. And that's that's one of the main reasons people who are battling depressions and anxieties and imbalances have to take their medications because it's there to correct it. Because again, it's not something you can do yourself by just going on that walk. And by, well, although that's why they tell you to go walk to release the chemical that you need more of. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I can't say that I appreciated enough how she took the time to try to explain to people what these things are, so that people won't be so hesitant to reach out for the help, because now they'll understand. Oh. It's not me. It's not that things are so bad in my life. I'm sick. I'm actually sick and I needed the help. And they won't take it negatively so badly. Because if you have a cold, you go buy cold medicine. If you're mentally ill, you go take your medicine and you're okay. So don't don't think about it so hardly, you know, so so negatively. Don't don't feel badly about it because you just need the help. And, you know, I I really I don't even like the term suicide awareness, but it is suicide awareness month to talk about everything. Because uh, when it comes to people who are dealing with their anxieties and their depressions and, and the ones who unfortunately lose the battle against it and commit suicide, it's not because things just got so bad. No, it's like some, like you mentioned before, they had a good life. They, they're aware of it and it's not an easy thing to get through and they fought it hard and you know, I, I hope they get their badges, you know, for it, for, for making it as long as they did, because it's not easy to get through it. And uh, I just kind of want people to start looking at the people who, who have suicided, uh, committed suicide after their, their battles and not be like, oh, he just, he committed suicide. No, he, he suffered death from depression. Uh, she had, you know, an unfor unfortunate death from anxiety, kind of like, Think of it that way. It's not that they were weak. It's just they were fighting something really strong and they couldn't defeat it in the end. So uh, that, that's the only thing I'd like to point out because I didn't get a chance to point it out when she was speaking. But, uh, sorry. <laughs> you good, Brandon? Yeah, no, I think she um, she really did hit, if not all of them, like 80, 90% of the marks uh, for sure. Um, for me, and I think I'm speaking to people like me, well, I doubt you're like me, uh, but I don't, like I told you in the beginning, I don't really feel much. So, you know, something that will, you know, make somebody cry. Hey, I might smack a cry. <laughs> I might smack, uh, crack a smile or I just won't feel it. So it took me extra effort to be able to understand this is how people feel. This is the signs of, oh, this is what causes that person to feel that way. Some people need to kind of reflect and look at themselves saying, just because this doesn't feel that way to me, doesn't mean I know exactly how that person should feel because that can be a huge issue when you're trying to ask, hey, what's wrong? And then you automatically try to fix it. These people don't want, you know, you to have an answer because you're not going to know. You just need to be there. You know, you just need to, you know, have that that ear to provide. Uh, like I said, I know people are like that. And the best thing I can do is say, hey, what's up? Or, hey, you want to get something to eat? 
yes, no. Okay. Uh, just let me know. You know, I'll catch you later. Uh, you know, just having that little bit right there or just saying, oh, man, that's crazy. What else you got going on? You know, that's that's all you have to do. But please don't. Please don't just, you know, throw judgments out there and uh, stay off social media. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a, we're not, I guess the older we get, we're not big on social media uh, like we used to be, but. Oh, no, yeah, I hate it. Yeah, it's just not, I'm looking for validation for it. But uh, one thing that stood out to me the most about what Dr. Monique Thompson had to say is that, you know, some of us go through, uh, we've had trauma that we just, it takes forever to get over. Me and myself included, I'm not scared to talk about uh, being an orphan at one time for a brief moment in life or uh, run away from home and stuff like that. And there's stuff that uh, people, the strongest people that you you see in public eye, uh, they have trauma. And it, it, like Christina said, sometimes it's hard to get over that battle, uh, to fight that battle. And, you know, but there's often times to where you don't feel appreciated or you don't feel like you can't find your footing uh, in this world like where do you fit at in this world trust me I've been there I know it and I often feel that way too uh, but it's people because I would say I don't feel like I'm loved right now and I'm glad that uh, Dr. Monique Thompson said two words that really uh, they help me out now is that I don't feel loved right now and those two words that really stood out the most right now uh because that means that you're in that present moment. But it's kind of hard to reflect that, that you are loved, that you do matter, and you belong and deserve to live. And I think that it's what people need to start doing. And, and it may, there are some people who you may think are the strongest, but uh, maybe the weakest mentally. And it's an area that some people just don't understand, but it's not for you to understand. But how can you help? Of course, at the end of the show, we'll, we'll give a number for uh, someone you can talk to. Uh, and, you know, we don't want to think that taking out is the wrong way. Uh, it doesn't have to be family. It doesn't have to be friends. Uh, you can talk to someone where you can just vent. And it's okay. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. Uh, talk to someone because talking it out or is, is the best way. My grandmother... Uh, she had dealt with very severe mental illness. And what the way she coped was, she wrote. Just wrote her feelings and never looked back at it. And, you know, and I made that mistake one day. I looked back at something I wrote, and it was like, wow, I was really going through stuff. But, you know, and my grandmother, she had maybe just binders of writings. And it didn't, it didn't dawn on me how severe things were, but that was her coping method of getting things out and not letting it build up. And that's what you have to do is do not let it build up. Talk to someone, because like I said, you do matter. You do deserve to be here. We want you to join a conversation. Talk to us. If you're feeling a certain way, you need somebody to talk to, you can reach out to us. Uh, trust me, like I said, you, you talk to someone who has these thoughts, but I, I'm well aware to say, you know what, I have a great community who I can call and say, hey, help me out. I'm going through this. Case in point, one of our friends, stuntman, actor, Dr. Sykes, just randomly calls me. 
how you doing? All your things, making sure you're okay. And just that moment, everything's fine. And I'm a, I'm a proud proponent of making a brand new friend every day because that one simple hello can make it break somebody's day and you would never know it. So we encourage you to reach out to people. And if you don't know, if you're not going through depression or mental illness or post-traumatic stress syndrome, talk to somebody. Encourage them to keep going and keep pushing through their hard days because right now we're going through hard times. The key part is it's a moment in time and it won't last forever. But your spirit will fight to make sure your spirit does. With that being said, guys, once again, join the conversation because these are the talks that we need to have with our community, especially in, when it comes to our Black community, Latino community. We need to have these talks because there's so much pain that people are not aware of. And the more we talk about it, the more we can heal from it. And it's not just those communities of color, but everyone. There's so much healing that has to be done. And it can be done by writing and talking, but get it out so we can learn to heal. And hey guys, it's season five. We're here. This was a phenomenal episode. Once again, I want to thank Dr. Monique Thompson uh, for coming on the show. Uh, like I said, hey, we're here. It's season five. Uh, uh, we have big things coming. So uh, hopefully you guys tune in. Uh, join our website at straightupshowpodcast.com. That's S-T-R number eight, UP Show Podcast. Dot com. We have merchandise, ways that you can actually contribute to the show because your boy needs a brand new microphone. Uh, but we're, we're joining uh, a new a new time right now and things are going up for us. So we want you to be a part of the conversation, a part of the straight up movement and make sure you come back eager and ready to learn because you never know what you're going to have on this show. Until then, there's only one rule on our show. That is, you got to be straight up. That's right, Christina. See you guys next time.